Dungeons and Dopamine. Ta-da! Hey, welcome to Dungeons and Dopamine. <laughs> this is episode 13. Lucky I'm, number 13. Yes. We have a lucky couple of topics today. We do. Eh. Sure. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot I could say about the number 13 being unlucky and the topic that you chose to talk about. Yeah. There are a we lot could of definitely go there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm Jess. I'm Bree. We're here. Here we are. <sighs> I took a drink. <laughs> You, she has to do that just to get through an episode. It's true. I um, I actually do think it'd be hilarious to do a drunken episode. Absolutely. It'll have to be something we're really familiar with. Like, I could only <laughs> talk about, like, orcas. And pink flamingos. Yes. It's like a tropical animal theme. There you go. Episode. And you could sneak in seals, because orcas are everywhere. And they eat my seals. Look. <clears throat> So anyway, <laughs> there's a very important correction we need to make. Yes. Because we did some slander in episode 11. And we cannot let it stand. No, not for Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan the man. Mm-hmm. So we incorrectly assumed that this poor guy was in his 80s. And I think I even said late 80s. <laughs> Bro is 69. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Jackie Chan. We actually adore you. Absolutely. That's the only reason we're talking about you. And please don't sue us. Don't. We love you. And you're, you look great no matter what age you are. We're sorry for lying to all of you. This is actually a test because we want you to challenge the narrative and fact check. In fact check. Don't just believe what we tell you. But do listen. So, dopamine. We have some. We do. Have you done anything exciting besides research your topics? (laughs) (laughs) No. So, yes. (laughs) Not since we went on vacation as a family. Well, I mean, Connor turned seven. I swear that there was something I wanted to bring up, and I cannot remember what it was. I went to a Kids Pop concert. How was that? Because when I mentioned it at Connor's birthday, everybody was like, I didn't think people sang those songs. (laughs) Did they just play the radio at the concert? (laughs) They just played the radio and someone blows <laughs> bubbles on stage. No. So it is a kids concert, so I maybe. Mean, <laughs> kids and hippies both were there and they loved it. No, so actually the concert itself was pretty cool. The kids the kids pop kids lip sang, which okay. I feel Fair. like was, yeah, whatever. It still did better than I would. Exactly. And they have these like baller costumes that Carly would have died for. <laughs> the sparkles and really cool shoes and they danced. Okay. So it was pretty cool. The crazy thing was how many people 
go to Kids Bop. Really? Oh my gosh. Was it at the Fan Andal? No. So it was actually in a place called Pine Knob. Okay, yeah. Really nice, actually. Mm -hmm. It was a beautiful area. The biggest problem was that the person I went with was Carly's best friend and her mom. And she was actually awesome. You know, like, you kind of dread these things. Mm -hmm. We didn't know each other super well. But it turns out we're pretty compatible. And she's pretty cool. Did you really worry you make friends with literally everyone you meet. I did worry. What if she didn't love me? Impossible. Never happens. Aww, I love you. I was try- trying to make a heart and I went like... No. And then you ripped it. I saw you. So, Pine Knob is beautiful. Mm-hmm. They clearly thought it out a lot when they built this place. But... The mom of the best friend, she read that the kids really prefer to sit on a blanket on the hill, Mm -hmm. which made sense to me, too. So we got there and failed to realize that people take this really seriously, and there were barely any spots to sit on the hill. What? So we found a spot. I've been to a Foo Fighters concert there where I didn't have to fight for space. Yeah, we did. And we brought our blankets. I, I brought a blanket and she brought a blanket. Thankfully, she brought one of those beach blankets that's mm-hmm. meant to not get wet or get sandy or whatever. We put my blanket down for the girls and we put her blanket down for us so we could separate from them. <laughs> Keep your dirty things over there. <laughs> exactly. And we took our seats and about two minutes later, the girls were both up on their feet with soaked butts. Because the hill was drenched. Because it rained Friday. Also, there was a sprinkler head right behind... Like, there was a family behind us, and right behind them, there was a sprinkler head that leaked the whole time. (laughs) So, this hill was kind of slippery, and then it was also kind of steep. So the girls danced and played and did their thing, we really should have just gotten seats. <laughs> that is what I took from this concert. I I almost hit on the guy that was doing concessions. Okay. So, <laughs> because I, he was pretty? Because I mean, he wanted was, free drinks? He was fine, but it was just because I'm naive and stupid. Uh, <laughs> yes. So I got up to the line, and you know me, and I was like hey, how are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm doing great. How about you? Like, he looked surprised, as most people do when I become over-friendly and try to, like, hug them before I even know their names. <laughs> and um, I said, well, I'm doing great. Thank you. Uh, I did not expect this to be quite this wild. And he laughed. He was like, oh, I worked it last year. So my thought was, like, great, you've got the inside source. So what almost came from the inside of my tummy up through (laughs) my throat and out of my lips, like word vomit, was, oh, you're going to have to give me your number so I can call you next time I'm coming to a concert here so you can give me the deeds. (laughs) Thankfully, Brain said, no. 
Stop. <laughs> You're a married woman. <laughs> I we don't give our number to people anymore. We don't ask strange men for their phone numbers. And 1,000%, I was very innocent about it. I oh, just, absolutely. I just was trying just to need the inside nice scoop and... on these concerts. That's all. Thank God my brain stopped me. And I did not hit on the man at the concession stand. Good job. And then after Good job, I, brain. <laughs> thanks, brain. You done it. <laughs> So after I came to this realization, I almost basically stopped speaking to him, <laughs> which he probably thought was really weird, too, because I walked up and I was like, hi, you're my new best friend. Mm, no, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think the thought went through your brain and you could like see it on your face where you were like, you stopped and you could see the wheels turning and you were like, no. <laughs> then you looked at him and you were like, okay, bye. <laughs> I didn't even get the drinks that I'd gone up there for. <laughs> yeah. So I went to a Kids Bob concert and nearly inadvertently hit on someone who probably didn't want to be hit on. <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I was wearing my giraffe brontosaurus high-fiving shirt. Which is pretty spectacular. So you have a brontosaurus high fiving shirt. Did a, I know that? I'm not Did sure. Did you buy it with? Me? No. Mm-hmm. No, okay. I bought it from Tea Turtle. I'm obsessed with Tea Turtle. Right. But it's a brontosaurus and a giraffe, and they're high fiving because they're tall. <laughs> Fair. I think you should know that TeaTurtle.com currently has a whole bunch of cool shirts on clearance for ten dollars nice they do D stuff too they have an onward shirt that <laughs> i need i need all of them mm-hmm. every single one i i shouldn't have told you about this no I, anyway right so dopamine dopamine tell Got me some. about your dopamine okay so my dopamine was suggested this week requested you might say by my cousin I told her we have a podcast, and she was like, I'm absolutely going to listen to that, and I love listening to podcasts. So if she hasn't, she is a dirty, dirty liar. I'm looking at you, Inch. And we are not dedicating this episode to you. No, but if you you are listening, then we're totally dedicating it to you. This is dedicated to you with all of our love. (laughs) All of it. All of it. (laughs) (laughs) So, Inch said, I like Bigfoot. Do Bigfoot. And I did find out that I think what she likes about Bigfoot is laughing at him. (laughs) Fair. Um, So I hope he doesn't find her after this, now that I've divulged her secret. So, I mean, everybody knows a little bit about Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. We all do. There's, like, he's a big-footed gorilla-ish man. Monkey is hairy. Yeah. Giant. Smells. Mm-hmm. Usually um, blurry. Or yes. I think he's just hiding. got an aura of blurry. Mm-hmm. He's actually physically blurry. blurry. <laughs> you can't get a clear picture because he's not clear. He's so frustrated. It's like a scientific thing we haven't even figured it's out yet. I'm about to reveal all of his secrets. I should have made up a whole fake episode. Anyway, so. (laughs) There's time. (laughs) I'll think through it and have it my next one. So, I knew the basics, and I've never really had an opinion 
like, yeah, all the footage we've seen of him has been blurry, and maybe he's real. He doesn't seem to pose a problem, mm -hmm. so... It's not affecting my day-to-day -day life. Yeah. He's in, you know, shows and, like... Books. Books, yeah. So, cool, okay, let people like what they like. So the first thing I did was Google, what's the story of Bigfoot? Because I don't know. And what I found was kind of wild. Like, it was hard to shuffle through to get not enough stuff for the podcast, but to narrow it down. Okay. <laughs> so almost every state in the U.S. has a story about Bigfoot. He is called a Bigfoot or a Sasquatch mm -hmm. in America. Now, throughout the world, almost every area of the world has a story about a large humanoid figure covered in hair that might be a large man or a animal-man hybrid. He's got a lot of different names in other areas. He's the skunk ape the Almas, the Yaren, the Yeti, which mm -hmm. we're pretty familiar with, and the Yowie, which is one of my favorites because it sounds Yowie. like an exclamation. Yowie! <laughs> That's how they named him. Yeah. They were just like, Yowie! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, he starts a long time ago. There was a tribe in the Pacific Northwest where he is the most prominent. Mm -hmm who has images on stone of what they call the family. And they are large, hairy creatures, the largest of which they call Hairy Man. Fair. And yeah, I mean, can't argue with that. That's what he is. Exactly. And these are dated between 500 and 1,000 years old. So they're, wow. you go back, yeah, yeah, a long way. And then in the 16th century, Spanish explorers and Mexican settlers were talking to people about the Los Vigilantes Obscuras. Okay. Which probably sounds way cooler when they say it, a lot less white. <laughs> <laughs> but it translates to the Dark Watchers. Mm. And then in the 1700s, a Jesuit priest talked about hairy creatures he'd seen in the forest that screamed loudly and stole their livestock. And this would have been in the same area that Mississippi is right now. Okay. So, if that's not enough, you also have the book, The Wilderness Hunter, that Theodore Roosevelt wrote in 1893. And he recounts a story he heard from a man named Bauman. He was an older mountain man. And he talked about a foul-smelling bipedal creature that ransacked his beaver trapping camp and stalked him. Then it later became hostile and snapped the neck of his companion. What? Yes. So... Roosevelt, this is a direct quote, notes that Bauman appeared fearful while telling this story, but he attributed it to the trapper's German ancestry, that that would have um, influenced what he had seen and experienced. There are reports 
from the 1840s, the 1920s. Finally, the kind of big story around him is in 1958, there was a bulldozer logging crew, and one of the crewmen noticed these huge 16 inch, when they measured them, humanoid feet prints in the mud. So it was Ryan. He was walking around. I was going to say, wait a second. (laughs) A lot of these are 16 inches. So I don't know what that means for him, but he needs to put his shoes on when he's walking around. (laughs) And shave? You know, (laughs) I think it makes him feel safe. (laughs) I would like it if he wore his clothes more often, though. I guess. So, um... They, he noticed these footprints around the site, and when he went to talk to his co-workers, they also admitted, yeah, we've been seeing the same thing. We just didn't want to say it, because we don't want anyone to think we're nuts. And once they noticed that, they started noticing strange activity happening around. Like, a 450-pound oil barrel got moved when there was no one around, and there was no equipment to move it. Who, who could do that? Right. So, originally they thought they were being pranked, but these things kept happening and these footprints kept showing up. So they called a newspaper man who came out and interviewed them, and the story exploded. It became front page news. So from about the 1960s on to right now, Bigfoot has been huge. There have been over 10,000 reported Bigfoot sightings in the United States, one-third of them from the Pacific Northwest. The only state that has never reported a sighting of Bigfoot is Hawaii. Most of these reported sightings are actually considered hoaxes even by the most stout believers, but there are... A lot of weird things that all of these people say Mm -hmm. in common. So, some of Bigfoot's reported behavior are throwing rocks as a territorial display. He will smash against trees or uh, wooden structures like, um, like barns or sheds. There are often structures of broken and twisted foliage that seem to be placed in specific areas. Um, not something that broke from like a windstorm, but something that was broken and then placed somewhere very strategically. Lodgepole pine and other small trees have been being have been observed being bent or uprooted and also stacked in patterns such as weaved and crisscrossed. Um, a lot of people theorize that these are territorial markings and some say that these are where they would nest and sleep. Oh, build their own house-like structure. Yes, very much like a chimpanzee or a gorilla. Mm -hmm. The creepiest, potentially grossest out of all of these displays are deer skeletons hanging from the highest points of the trees. What? Yeah, where it would be very difficult to get one up there. Right! What would you do if you're walking through the woods and you just Mm, 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 Die? Mm-mm. Yeah. They would just lay down. I'm going to move. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. This is where I give up. I guess this is what God meant for me. <laughs> there was a point in Washington State when an amateur Bigfoot group called the Olympic Project 
claimed they found a collection of nests that they brought in a primatologist who said, yes, this was something that was made by a primate. Now, I don't know if they found like fur or anything in there that would suggest it wasn't just a well-studied human that mm-hmm. would make these and then say, hey, look. I did something. I did it. It's a Bigfoot. <laughs> it's like an art installation, like something you put in art prize. And then the person who did it was super embarrassed because they're like, this isn't even that good. <laughs> I don't want it to look like a monkey did it. <laughs> I thought it was good. So one thing I didn't realize about Bigfoot oof, is that he was considered nocturnal. Oh. And omnivore. So he ate berries okay. and meat. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. I mean, for a primate, that makes sense. So yeah. And I, humans. Yeah. Yeah. They would mostly be solitary by reports. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know he's blurry. It's probably hard to look at him without getting It headache. is. It's very hard. Nobody uh, can deal with it. Nobody. <laughs> Some people do claim that they've left gifts in areas where Bigfoot has been sighted. And that... The item, whether it's food or jewelry or like a like a cup or something, will be missing and replaced with like a rock or a twig or like a woven little stick doll right. thing. Make trade. Yeah. Let's get creepy. So the Bigfoot makes some really freaky sounds. He's known to howl, scream, moan, grunt, whistle and even have a form of language that have allegedly been recorded. What? Yes. Now, I was, frankly, too chicken to look it up, but I am going to talk about one that was recorded in the 70s, and they had a retired U.S. Navy cryptologic linguist who... Yeah, that's a lot. (laughs) His business cards are long. Right. So he he listened to these sounds and he determined that it's definitely a language and it's definitely not of human origin and that it could not be faked. I don't know what qualifications you have to follow to determine that something isn't being faked. Right. But I do probably, know, like there probably have to be like a pattern or yeah. some sort of way to tell that they're speaking the same words or like you know our the letter a makes very certain sounds so their language would have to have some of those patterns that would more more than like a baby that's just like you know making up words that's wise yeah 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 like i think you're right Mm -hmm. um it makes me think of that skit from SNL with Pedro Pascal. Of course. Of course. He um, wakes up after being hit by like a semi or something and he's like, oh, can I speak Spanish? <laughs> saba, saba, sama, sama. Sounds like Spanish to me. <laughs> it's so dumb. He's so adorable. <laughs> Call me Pedro. So he so he decided that this was legit. This was real language that was being spoken by something or someone. Mm-hmm. Not Pedro Pascal. <laughs> it's retired. <laughs> that you know of. It's fair. That's fair. 
The other interesting thing is Lee Stroud, who is the, I guess, main guy on the show Survivor Man. I would like to pretend that I know a lot more about it than I do, but I unfortunately don't. But he has claimed that they've heard sounds in the forest while filming Survivor Man that sounded primate in origin. And I, I think he films in America. I don't think he right. films in <laughs> so a... there's should not be. There should not be. He's not like in a zoo somewhere. <laughs> I hope Hanging he out next to the gorilla cage. He's like I don't know where these something sounds, sounds are... like a primate. <laughs> Tarzan. <laughs> so there are a lot. A lot of Bigfoot stories out there. I wanted to find a few that weren't technically debunked. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that you and I love to theorize on things and debunk the debunking. Right. <laughs> but this time I wanted to kind of give stories that couldn't technically be debunked. I love stories. The first story that can't be debunked, or hasn't yet been debunked, I'm going to kind of just read these, and I feel like they'll go smoother if I don't try to paraphrase them. Okay, right. In 1994, former U.S. Services Ranger Paul Freeman, a Bigfoot researcher, videotaped an alleged Bigfoot he reportedly encountered in the Blue Mountains in Oregon. The tape often referred to as the Freeman footage, continues to be scrutinized to this day and its authenticity debated. So, what year was that one? 1994. I don't... I would have a hard time trusting anything current. Absolutely. Because technology has gotten to a scary level of oh being able gosh. to fake things. Yes. But like the 70s and the 90s? I don't know. So I just went on this big diatribe about how I put in stories that couldn't be debunked. Mm-hmm. This one has been. <laughs> <laughs> but I did include it for a reason. There's a good okay. reason. And I'll explain it after I tell it. So in 2018, Bigfoot researcher Claudia Ackley garnered international attention after filing a lawsuit with the California Department of Fish and Wildlife for <laughs> failing to acknowledge the existence of Bigfoot. She sued them for failing to acknowledge the existence of Bigfoot. She claimed she encountered him in 2017, um, describing a Neanderthal man with a lot of hair. She contacted emergency services, as well as the California... the CDFW. Mm -hmm. We're not going to go there. Uh, (laughs) We're not going to say it over and over. No. Uh, But a state investigator concluded that she had encountered a bear. So, okay. However, until her death in 2023, she claimed that this was real, that she had a real encounter with a Neanderthal man covered in hair. She actually ran a trauma group for people who had Bigfoot experiences, but were debunked. I put that in quotes because everyone listening to us can see my quotes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I need a quote sound. Work Ryan, I need that. you to get on that. Maybe like a sparkle. Ding, ding. 
I'm sure it won't be hard to isolate it around the few short words that I no. use. You got Not this. Debunked. You're gonna. He's a professional it. now too. So. Right. We have a sound for plot twist. Mm-hmm. Insert here. <laughs> <laughs> so that one I thought was kind of like this lady was either full of issues or she so truly believed that she actually ran a help group. That's big commitment to something. It is. I mean, I have a hard time posting regularly on our social media, and I love this podcast. Right. (laughs) So to do that just seems like a lot. In 2015, a college professor claimed to have discovered prey bones with human-like bite impressions on the south side of Mount St. Helens. He claimed that the bites were over two times wider than a human bite, and that two of his students also found 16 foot... 16 inch. (laughs) (laughs) Bigfoot got real big feet. It's real scary. (laughs) Um, 16 inch footprints in the area. So that one was... I thought that one was really creepy, because big, big mouth. Right. (laughs) I didn't like that one. Now, this one, uh, in the 1960s, a spy plane photographed from 80,000 feet up a... It was one of those, like, super fast clicky cameras where it kind of shows a a story. Mm -hmm. They saw something from that. And then in the 80s, they went through it frame by frame. And what they saw in it, they explain as when it's walking, it's 7 foot 3. When it's standing, it's 7 11. It has breasts. It has a cone-shaped head, which is typically a male trait. It's very rare for women to have a cone-shaped head. I did not know that. Same. If it's an ape suit, it is skin tight. And back when this was done, they wouldn't have knowingly had costumes like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you could see... You would have had to have it made. Yes. And even then... And know how to make it. Yeah. And if you think of, like, movies back then... Right. You really can't... They didn't have that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's where you would expect to see it. You could see muscles. Definition on it. So, that's what leads them to say this. Um, there are a lot of foot castings from this, where the mid-tarsal is broken. And this wasn't actually noticed until 2003. Which seems like a really difficult thing to fake. Right. A broken bone. How the impression would have to be so specific for that. So, to make the impressions, this thing would have had to have been between 400 and 600 pounds. And the walking gait of this creature is impossible for a human to recreate and look natural. I guess a Russian scientist did an extensive study on this in 2005. (laughs) So, I need need more money. Like, who's funding this? Right! Who doesn't want to fund our podcast? Like the other lady who's just a Bigfoot researcher. Right! It's just what she does. It's just her job. 
How do you end up in that job? Right. They didn't talk about this in school. No, what a rip. Maybe we needed to grow up in the Pacific Northwest. Maybe. I'm glad we didn't grow up in the Pacific Northwest. Right. I'm sorry, Pacific Northwest. I'm not. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> Wasn't great. They do um, a lot of great podcasts out there. That's true. Probably they're very that's all artsy they can out do. there. When I was there, everybody was still wearing flannel and carrying guitars. They were going to be the next Kurt Cobain. That was in 2010, by the way. <laughs> very disappointed in you, Pacific South, South Northwest. I'm very disappointed in myself and my English-speaking <laughs> abilities. So. Unfortunately, amongst these literally hundreds, thousands of stories I could have told you guys, there was a lot of debunking. Yeah. So the oil rig, or the, um, not oil rig, the logging guys Mm -hmm. that I talked about. Someone came forward in, so that was in 1958, in 2002, the family of this crew worker produced these huge carved wooden feet that he had used to create these indents in the dirt. mm -hmm. And he did it because he wanted to keep the site secure because there had been a lot of people complaining of like stolen equipment or broken equipment. Oh. Um, now does that like does that cover all of these sightings and stuff? And there's so many. The thing that I guess kind of freaked my brain out the most was these are across the world. Right. Something had to exist. Whether Maybe it's like bears coming out of hibernation. Mm-hmm. Or our brains are freaky as heck. So you see something for one, your brain tries to immediately make it something that makes sense to it. Mm-hmm. Which primate or a large man with a lot of hair would make sense to your brain more than, say, like a bear coming out of hibernation. Right. And I've you, never seen that. I don't know what that looks like. Exactly. And bears coming out of hibernation look terrifying. Plus, they can be really mean because they're hungry. <laughs> they are very hangry. Exactly. I absolutely understand. So, is it our brains playing these tricks? I mean, if you've ever sat in the dark, not being able to sleep or something, and you open your eyes, the swirls from your eyes start forming faces and mm-hmm. shadows that aren't actually there. Or it's a pile of clothes, but it looks like a person. Yes. Or a ghost. Yes. Or- or just something creepy. Mm-hmm. and But our brains are, are so... They're trying to protect us, but they can really screw us <laughs> up. <laughs> so I, sometimes I believe these people really... Thought they, they saw. Yes. Confidently incorrect. <laughs> it's just there's so many of them. Yes. And we already know that like there's undiscovered species in the ocean. Right. There's just so much space to cover and so many different species and things. And it's so deep and dark that we can't get there. So what's to say that we've discovered everything that's in the woods? Right. Especially Maybe the they deep, are dark really sneaky. Yeah. And they're nocturnal. So yes. there's only like seven Sasquatch researchers hanging out in the woods at night. <laughs> and they get them on 
tape talking. Right. Yeah. They have a language. So, yeah, I don't know. It really blew my mind. I, I feel like I'm leaving you guys kind of unanswered, but I guess it's a question that can't be answered. I like it. <laughs> I didn't draw any conclusions after all of this. Mm-hmm. Like you can't? Yeah. There's enough that you want to kind of hope that it's yeah. Real. I mean, not that I want to meet one. No, but they. I mean, maybe they don't seem like they bug people too much. Yeah, they obviously just want to be left alone. Seems like the ones Given that some I read. Presents. Yeah, yeah. It seems like like the stories where people got hurt were stories where they were hunting them right. or like that one man was being stalked by them. Uh, According to his tale. Well, but what were they doing? They were beaver trapping, so they had weapons. Mm-hmm. And as we know, history is written by the winner. That's so right. Maybe they were being mean and the Bigfoot retaliated. So now I really want to know what Angie thinks. And because this was her topic suggestion. Right. So no pressure, but answer. If you're not on our Facebook page in five days. So now that I've left you on like a weird, it wasn't super creepy. No. I mean, it is if you really dive in. And if you had a fear of them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But. I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Mystery. Mm-hmm. I have a ton of stories. I have to tell you, like, this was one of the weirdest topics to research because there was so much out there. <laughs> it was I mean like there was a good 85% that popped up immediately that was like nah, nah, just stop believing in them. They're not real. Right. And then talking about the hoaxes and stuff like that. But there was so much. I'm sure if I went deep I could have gotten really wild. Well, like whole organizations Yeah. are like no, it's true. He's real. We know. I, yeah. And why? Are there all over the world. Right. It's <sighs> starting so long ago. Yeah. It's not... So again, right now, I can put a story about a made-up creature that I ran into my wood... Ran into in my woods. And it goes viral and... Slender 30 man. people start responding about the creatures in their woods. Yeah. But back in the day... You had to mail a letter to tell a story. There was even, before that, a thousand years ago, they were coloring it onto stones. So where were they? Yeah. Oh, anyway. So, uh, terrible ending. So, let's pass it on. Hopefully you have a cooler, (laughs) better ending. Well, happy I mean, I, of course, ended on a happy note, kind of. (laughs) But there is a reason for this topic, and I know we've mentioned a couple times that my other current job is in local government, and I am a township clerk, so my experience is only going to be, everything I can talk about is only in local Michigan township government, which is different than other states. It's also very different from cities, which I didn't understand that cities were ran differently than townships. We're a pretty small township. Also different from like a charter township, 
which is a bigger township that would have more residents and therefore probably have like public works and public health and a fire department and a police department. My experience is going to be different than somebody who's running a township that has 20,000. So take everything I say with a grain of salt and know that it comes from very rural Midwest America, Midwest Michigan America. Even when I went to apply to be the township clerk, I had no idea what a township clerk was or what they did. I honestly thought I was applying for a receptionist position. And the reason I feel like I have to talk about this and the reason I'm putting it out into the airwaves, because at least in most townships and most uh, Michigan townships at least, not cities again, next year is an election year and probably all of your local representatives are up for re-election or probably aren't running again. So there are going to be a lot of offices open and this is a really important time for people to start paying attention because I know what groups are paying attention and we need to be careful that we continue to stay balanced. That the people that are paying attention and the people that are caring are not only from one political party. So if you want to run for local government, you'll want to make the decision by next April, I think, is the cutoff to be able to get the signatures and get on a ballot, which is why I want to talk about it now, because you might have some pros and cons you need to weigh before you decide if this is the job for you. And I'm going to start with just some basics about township government. So Michigan, in general, is broken down into townships, and I believe each township is supposed to be approximately 36 square miles. Each township government is ran by a township board. It's usually five to seven members that are elected officials, and the board is actually considered to be the owner and operator of the township. So a township is actually a business that is run by a board of five to seven people and is a public entity. So everything they do is, is and should be scrutinized by the public. Everything we do can be investigated by the public. We're supposed to be making decisions in the best interest of our residents, our area. We are elected positions in most cases. If somebody resigns or, or leaves the position in the middle of their term, then somebody might be appointed, which is actually how I got my job. Everything we do is determined by like state law, and they get really specific on what we can and cannot do, what we can and cannot buy, how we make our decisions. Every decision we make within reason has to be made at a board meeting and that is open to the public. We're not even supposed to like deliberate about things unless we're in an open meeting that the public can attend. So when it's budget time, I can't sit down with the supervisor and the treasurer and a trustee and talk about the budget and determine how we're going to do things. I have to do it at a meeting in front of people. And I feel like many of these state laws are written with like Lansing in mind. Or Congress, the United States, senators. But for those of us running this tiny, these tiny little townships of 5,700 people, I just want to pay the bills to keep the lights on. I don't, I'm not trying to embezzle money or like 
send programs through that we don't need or change laws about human rights or anything. I just want to pay the 17 consumers energy bills I get every month. <sighs> and this, the state literally tells us retention records. So how long I have to hold on to everything. And not just election records or banking records, but emails. If I get an email that relates to anything that is going on in my office, I have to keep it for a year. I am 1 billion percent going to start emailing things. <laughs> Just ra Tell me about this property. <laughs> Tell me about this property. I took this picture at the park that is within your jurisdiction. I would like to know what it's called. <laughs> yeah, I get those emails, by the way. Um, no, I was... Yes. I have a whole section on that, too. <sighs> Back to the basics. A board is going to consist of three main elected officials, which will be the township supervisor, the township treasurer, and the township clerk, which is what I am. Something important to remember is we are all equals in this. We're all elected officials. Uh, we work in the office. We do the day-to-day -day statutory duties and the stuff to keep the office running. But even though the title says township supervisor, he's not my supervisor. He's the supervisor of the township. We all work together to run it. And then there are also two to four trustees that are also elected, but they basically only have to show up to meetings and represent the public and make sure that we're doing our job right and help us make those decisions. I have to take minutes at every meeting and this, the laws even tell me what has to go in those minutes, how they have to be written, and I have eight days to get those ready and available for the public. Most townships um, have meetings once or twice a month. We meet twice a month, but there has to be at least one like monthly board meeting, and we have to approve the bills we paid the last month, any decisions we're gonna make in the next month. We have to get three quotes to get anything fixed in the township. The board has to approve whether I can hire someone, who I hire, how much I pay them, whether we can do raises, this is exhausting. <laughs> I'm exhausted just hearing this. Yes. That doesn't even get into like the gross day-to-day -day stuff that I have to do. Before I got this job, I had probably never interacted with my township. Have you ever interacted with your township? No, I don't think I've ever had to interact with my local government at all. You're the closest I've gotten in. We don't live in the same township. Right. Same. I had been in the building to vote, but other than that, I had lived in this township for five years as an adult and had never had to interact with them. I, I might have gone to, I had to go to like a property tax thing. Okay. Where they lowered yeah. the tax. Like because, a board of review. Yeah, I just went in, I waited forever in this really ugly paneled room. This was my old house, and one of the guys that was leaving was like, come back next year. You still need to go down. Because they took it down like as much as they were allowed that mm -hmm. year. Yeah, there's a percentage that yeah. they can drop it. Yeah, and so he like kind of whispered that to me on my way out, and I never did. <laughs> so I just kept paying what I was paying. You were like, I don't know. Yeah. That seems like a, a lot of work. This so much time. <laughs> well, and again, and not many people even know that's an option. Yeah. So I just want to give a quick list of what townships do actually take care of, and then I'll talk about what we do not take care of, but people think we do. <laughs> 
Obviously, we take care of property taxes. We talk about, or we do dog licenses. We kind of make the decisions on what roads are repaired or taken care of in the township, except that it's really determined by the county road commission. Uh, we sometimes get to choose how to spend some rather specific grant money. So through Muskegon County, each township and municipality gets some county funding for senior programs. So we do like vouchers that we give out to our senior residents, we do an exercise program, we do some other programs through the township. And we also, through COVID, if you've heard about the American Rescue Plan, it's through all that COVID money that got thrown around, the states were awarded a bunch of this money and then the states awarded it to local governments. Okay. So we started our term in 2020 with six hundred thousand dollars that we had to spend have to spend like wow we're told by the government you have to allocate this you have to decide how it will be spent within the next three years and you or four years and you have to have it completely spent and all of those projects completed by 2026 we run the tedious township government things so a lot of paperwork a lot of phone calls a lot of deeds that come in and have to be you know put in the computer payroll property taxes building permits. If you have good local government, they're probably trying to raise money, write grants, find ways to make improvements to the township without spending a bunch of residents' money. We run elections. We maintain any township properties. Uh, we answer requests for information. So if you've ever heard of the Freedom of Information Act, that means, again, that every, basically every piece of information I have in my building is able to be requested to be viewed by residents or anybody else that might be interested in it. We get a lot of requests for other information. We probably don't have a survey from your house. We have a lot of requests from volunteer groups that want to do projects for us. I pay bills, I do HR, we get broken things fixed, we go to these meetings, we go to more meetings, we set up more meetings and we go to those. I listen to a lot of complaints and we do building zoning and regulatory ordinances. And then the things that people think we do that we do not do. These are requests or things that have happened in the three years I have been in office. I do not get to keep all the tax money you send me, believe it or not. <laughs> if your tax bill is a $2,000 bill, probably your township gets to keep 1% of that for an administrative fee and probably another 1% of that goes into their actual general fund. We do not know what kind of bug you have. Uh, we do not steal elections. We do not let dead people vote. I am not expected to be at my job all hours of the day because you might need something. I do not have any hidden agendas. I did not take this job to get rich. I do not solve neighbor disputes. I do not chase sheep out of the roads. I do not clean up dead animals off the side of the roads. I do not clear trees, down trees out of the road, or down, down power lines. I'm just going to say, you wouldn't have to clean the dead animals out of the road if you would go shoo the sheep out of the road. <laughs> Ooh, good point. I like, the, I like your proactiveness here. And the biggest thing about township government is we do not have any special qualifications to do our jobs because let me tell you the requirements you have to have to be elected to your township board. You have to be 18 years old. Check. And eligible to vote. Check. 
You also have to have lived in the township that you are running for a position in for at least 30 days. Oh, check. That's it. <laughs> oh, and you have to win a popularity contest. And to get into that popularity contest, you have to have a petition signed by some of the residents. And then there's some forms you have to fill out. And then they, these people are, like, deciding things for you. I mean, maybe not huge things, but, like, enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you about my job interview. I found out there was an opening, and it got published. I turned in my resume and my cover letter and waited for interview day, which was like two weeks later. And then I went into the interview, which was in front of the board, which was terrifying because it was seven people that I had never met. And I was the only person there. And they interviewed me, and it was awful. One of them was very mean. And at the end of the end of the interview, they voted to appoint me as the new township clerk, which I later found out they had to do because the law states they have to choose someone at the meeting where everybody interviews. So because I was the only applicant, they had to give me the job. There was no other option. And here's the best part. It is nearly impossible to get fired from this job. One of my first meetings as the clerk was actually with one of our insurance representatives. She's our risk management person. And she had been a clerk in a previous township nearby for years. And she told us that during her last election, the supervisor was elected to his position while he was in jail serving time for his third DUI. What? The only way to get fired from this job is to have residents put out a petition and have me recalled, which by the way, they can't do during your last term. So as long as I can make it until November 20th of this year, I cannot be recalled next year. Or if you're really, really, really awful, somebody can get the governor involved and the governor can come down and recuse you from your position. The Absolutely not. so busy. Yeah. She doesn't care. By I the mean, time it even got to her, I'd be in my can't-be-recalled time anyway. Holy crap. Yes. People do not realize this. There have been times, because again, all of this, all of these rules, all of my procedures are set by state law. So I spend a lot of time looking in handbooks and online and on websites trying to figure out what law tells me when I have to send this notice or how many days I have before this has to be done. But I, there have been times I've had to correct our lawyer because the laws are so convoluted there, to have it to start a special assessment. So if I if we have a road that wants to be fixed and the residents all come to us and they sign a petition, they yes, absolutely, we'll pay to have this fixed. I have to have two public hearings that both have to have notices in the local paper ten days ahead of time before the meeting can be held and all these notices have to be mailed to any resident that could be affected by this and all of these laws that of course can only be found if you read the very legalese state law or a handbook and here is why this is important 
for you to know what's going on in your township and to understand that even though you've been ignoring it your entire life, your township is kind of important. Because going back to building ordinances, zoning ordinances, planning ordinances, regulatory ordinances, did you know your township can determine how big or small of a house you can build? I guess I knew that like they can say you can't make it four stories tall or like you have to follow certain rules but so obviously you should have to follow building code yes of course safety but we also have an ordinance in our township that says your house has to be at least 1120 square feet what other townships the minimum is 2,000 square feet some of them 720 square feet. And this is your home, not your lot. Your home. How can someone make that choice? Yes. And we can determine how big your garage can be. We can determine how many outbuildings you have, how big they are, how much space they take up on your land. We can tell you how that property can be used. We can tell you whether or not you can make money using that property. We can tell you, in my township, you can only have one primary residence on a a parcel. So you can't have a mother-in-law suite or a mother-in-law house. You can't put a tiny house in the back and let your... your... Or like a pool house? Oh, and that's not primary, though. Right. But pool house could get iffy, too, because it's got a bathroom in it. You'll probably get away with that, but if you tried to put, like, a kitchen in it, too, absolutely not. We can throw you in jail if you violate these ordinances or if you don't go through proper permitting processes or you let the maintenance of your house go too far we can bring legal action against you charge you a citation fee if you still don't respond we can actually put you in jail for having junk cars on your property if our building official thinks that your house is unsafe that it is deteriorated to a point where it's not safe to live in we can revoke your certificate of occupancy We can take your house from you. We can demolish your house. My township voted to demolish two unsafe buildings just this past year and literally knocked down. They were both vacant. Nobody was living in them. Okay, I was going to ask, do you have to find a place for these displaced people? Nope. (gasps) Oh my gosh. Um, The big thing right now, I, I already mentioned, we can tell you how, whether or not you can make money with the property you own. The big thing right now is short-term rentals. So my township has decided they're not allowed. We had one bad one that bothered the neighbors. So we went, you know, full speed ahead and just got rid of all of them. You should also know that your township board often determines what representatives of your township sit on other boards. So we get to pick representatives for our fire authority, our library board, uh, our water systems policies, the sewer systems. This could literally be like, well, Bree has Thursday evenings free and that's when they meet, so you're going to have to go to that, Bree. Mm-hmm. You might not know a thing. Yeah. Holy cow. Or you could have thoughts or opinions that go against the board you're being appointed to. You could believe in banning books and be appointed to the library board. <clears throat> As I mentioned, we run elections, and I could do a whole episode on how hard it would be to rig an election. With all these new election laws and all the drama that's going on with elections and the accusations, 
something to keep in mind is if we push out all of the good people that are running our elections now, who's going to step in to run them? We also get to rub elbows with the representatives at the state level. So the congressmen, the state, and the, the representatives, they either they or their, their underlings check in with us monthly. We have a direct line and a direct ear to our representatives. So again, who do you want in your area to be able to talk to these representatives? Interesting. And then, probably not most important, but kind of important to me, because we're also maintaining the township-owned properties, we're the ones maintaining your recreation and your beautification in your area. If you want a township that has walking trails and focuses on maintaining nature and not destroying it, or you want to live somewhere more rural and not overfilled, you want to make sure the people that are running your township are people that are supporting those things and have that vision not somebody who wants to turn two country blocks into an industrial zone so we can bring in new business and pollute. Check out your local government. You know, get Question their narrative. Question their narrative. Question why they're there. Question yourself on whether this is something you can take on. I will be very honest in that this is probably not a position I'm going to continue with. Even if you don't think you have a lot of time, trustee might be an option. There's usually other boards that you can look into, planning commission, zoning board, the board of review, parks and rec, all kinds of things, just different ways to get involved. But even if you don't have the time for that, go to your meetings. If you can't go to your meetings, at least read the minutes in your township. Keep in touch with those things. Keep in touch with your township. Get on the newsletter. Don't police your township. Get involved with your elections. Just pay attention. Find out what's going on in your community. Make sure that it's moving in a direction you support. And if it's not, find out how to get involved so that you can push it in that direction or lead it in that direction. And then to bring it back up from being sad and awful and, you know, government, a couple of the cool things I have got to do as a clerk, which, again, I did not expect because I did not know what I was getting into, I do get to help people vote which I didn't think I would get excited about, but we we have one assisted living in the whole township, and it's some of these people, they can't leave. They can't drive anymore. They're on oxygen. I will deliver ballots. I will go in and help them do go through the process to get their absentee ballot, and because of all the ID checks, I have to deliver them in person so I can check their IDs. So I've got to meet these really amazing older people just bringing them ballots just so they can vote. Didn't you also get to experience someone's literal first time because she became a citizen? Yes. And it was like beautiful. We all cheered. She came in. She was wearing a shirt that had an American flag print. She had just got her citizenship. She came in and was just stoked. Her and her husband, they told everybody what was going on. We led her through the process. She cheered when she put her ballot in the tabulator. We all cheered with her. It was a really cool moment. I help with the senior program that I mentioned, so we're doing vouchers and freebies for our senior residents. I I got to go speak to a high school government class oh, that's to talk cool. to them about election and election security. That, I feel like, is more than we ever got from anybody. Oh, absolutely. I've met a lot of cool dogs. People bring their dogs in to get their dog licenses. I've met some really cool people within the community outside of my township because there are just so many meetings and networking meetings 
I have learned some really incredible history about our township, and which is amazing for me because I grew up here. I feel like I have made a difference. I have really fought for my employees, so there have been some perks. I love it. There's so much I didn't know. My mind is <laughs> swimming with all this information. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of fascinating, to be honest with you. I wasn't sure what to expect when you said you were going to do this topic. and Because it should be boring until you're reminded that all you have to do is be 18 and live in the township. And you too can be the township clerk. That is crazy. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like a bachelor's or something. Right. Experience. <laughs> no, no, forget experience. No. Did you gra- did you graduate high school last week? Have you lived here for a while? Do you want to be a elected official? Join the township. Here's your application. <laughs> you show up, you got the job. As long right. as no one else shows up. Yeah. Wow, that is wild. And if you don't get it, you can just run for the position in six months when it's available, and you only need three signatures. Crazy. <laughs> I kind of love it. Not the whole process, but just knowing this is mm-hmm. very interesting. It makes me want to look into my own. And I love that it is an accessible job. Yeah. I just wish that it was more known. And maybe that there were a few more requirements. Sure. Like a basic map test, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> a meat <laughs> Just a quick standardized test with a number two pencil that I can feed through a Scantron. I've been with Pledge of Allegiance. I'll take anything. That's, I do have to do the Pledge of Allegiance. Oh, so okay, maybe yeah. I can start testing people on that. As long as they can recite it. They in French. <laughs> <laughs> so, crazy. Mm-hmm. What a good 13th episode. That I'm is... patting us on the back. I like it. I like Turned it. out good. Bigfoot, Township, Government. Angie would never think would be connected (laughs) (laughs) your township does want to know if you find bigfoot i want to know if you find bigfoot oh yeah let me know if you have a bigfoot story please share bigfoot stories with us for reals i i'm sorry (laughs) if you if you send a really good one i will buy you a shirt from kevin hearn that says i hugged a yeti which is almost the same thing beautiful so we do it. We right are now. gonna have a plant contest. Soon. Yeah, well, that might have already passed, but I doubt it. We're awesome. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> so we're Dungeons and Dopamine podcast. You can listen to us anywhere you stream podcasts and on YouTube. You can find us on Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, Insta, and Reddit. We're super busy super busy. You can also reach out to us on any social media or email us at dungeonsdopamine at yahoo.com Dungeons and Dopamine is edited and published by Argyle Pigeon Productions. Thank Thank you. you. We love love you. you. Okay, bye! bye.